Morning, everybody. Happy Christmas Eve. I, I for one, love the fact that Christmas Eve is on a Sunday, and uh, assuming you're still around tomorrow, we get to do... We get to be together twice, two days in a row over Christmas. I think that's a wonderful thing. There's nothing better than being together as a church family. And then, again, if you're visiting here this morning, we love that you're here with us as well. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, If you have a Bible this morning, don't worry if you haven't, but if you have got one, uh, please turn to Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah 9, verse 1. But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun in the land, and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the tramping warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end, on the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness, from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Let's just pray for a moment. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the hope contained in these verses. Lord, we pray that you would continue to speak to us now. Lord, would you bring hope to our hearts again today. Amen. There is much to be thankful for, isn't there, at this time of year? There's much to be thankful for throughout the year, but Christmas is a special time of thanksgiving. But if I've I've got one complaint to make, uh, I'm going to be a little bit of a Grinch right now, one complaint to make at this time of year, it is that it is just too dark. It is dark when you get up to have your breakfast. It is pretty dingy throughout the day, and then before you've even sat down for your evening dinner, it's dark again. Dark all the time. And it's a small thing, I know, but I think it can weigh on us. It begins to feel a little bit oppressive to never feel the warmth and the light of the sun beating down upon us, to always see everything in black and white and grey. Living in the darkness can be a pretty miserable experience. And on these short winter days and long winter nights, it can seem like the darkness is never going to lift. But there is one silver lining to this December darkness, something that almost makes the darkness worth it at this time of year, and that is the Christmas lights. So many Christmas lights out there shining in the darkness. Uh, Hands up if you will, who's got Christmas lights inside their house? Yeah, most of us. Who's got Christmas lights outside their house this year? Few folks, well done. Who's gone out on a walk or a drive specifically to look for other people's Christmas lights? Anyone done that yet? Okay, good. 
Um, we went out last night on just such a hunt. I'm sure I've shared things like this before in previous years, but um, we went to find the best-dressed houses in Bristol, and we've got uh, a little selection of pictures here of what we found. If you look closely, you can tell, if you know me well, which one of these is my favourite. Um, but these are just a little selection. There are lights out there across the city and across our area. Now, of course, when we go out and look for lights, and I guess this would be the same for you, you don't go out in the daylight to find them. We deliberately wait for the night time, which is about 4.30 at this time of year. But we want it to be dark because the effect that we're looking for is these bright lights shining into the darkness. That's where the beauty is to be found with these lights at this time of year. Now, most of us, I think as well, love stories about light breaking into the darkness of whether it's of like boats, a boat lost at sea in the dark, in dark and stormy waters, desperately scanning the horizon to look for some sign of light and life and land, or of dark, dangerous nights where with bated breath a city is under siege, waiting for the rising of the sun to bring fresh hope to them in their plight. And the Christmas story is all about this kind of rescuing light, of the greatest light of all, breaking in on a world that is suffocating in the darkness, which is precisely what we find in our passage this morning. At the very beginning of Isaiah 9, we find Isaiah speaking to a people who are lost in the deepest darkness. They are in anguish. There is an immovable gloom that hangs over their lives. It's not just that they're lost and directionless. They're also frightened and they are full of despair looking to the world around them for meaning and purpose and some kind of comfort, all that they've discovered is more distress and darkness. And if nothing is done to change their lives, all they have to look forward to is even thicker darkness. But this darkness here in Isaiah has nothing to do with the calendars or the seasons or where the sun is in the sky. The darkness that Isaiah is talking about is a truly deep despair. Not a winter darkness, but a spiritual darkness that comes from them being separated from God. They are a people who live in a perpetual night, who have no dawn because they've turned their backs on God. And although Isaiah is initially describing his own people Israel, he's really describing the plight of everyone, every human being in this world. The darkness that we all find ourselves living in without God. Uh, The opening words of chapter 9, verse 2, are sadly true for everybody, everywhere. We, as a human race, are a people who walk in the darkness. Or more literally still, we're a people who walk in death's shadow. Our rejection of God, our separation from him, it casts this death-like shadow over every aspect of our lives so that even before we come to face face -to face with death itself, our day-to-day lives are tainted by gloom, and darkness. And that is the Bible's repeated diagnosis of where every human being is when they are without God. Our sin, our rejection of God, leaves us lost in the night with no hope of dawn. And on our own, we can't find our own way back to God. We are almost without hope. Except, says Isaiah, One last and great hope still remains. There is one last hope. 
Now, imagine just for a moment that you and I, we actually lived in a world that was perpetually dark, physically dark all of the time, that the sun never rose, that our days were just spent in gloom from morning, noon, and night. Now, imagine that kind of world, always dark. Imagine checking your phone every morning to read the weather forecast, and it's always darkness. That's all it says, darkness. Another day of darkness, year after year after year, until finally, one morning, you wake up, and maybe you don't even know why I'm looking, why am I looking at the weather app anymore? It's dark all the time, but you open the weather app on your phone one more time, and you see these words from Isaiah 9, verse 1. No more gloom. There will be no more gloom for her who was in anguish. And then you, you tap on this brand new sunrise symbol. You're not even sure you can remember what it is. It's been so long. But there it is. You tap on it. You've never seen this forecast before. And then you read, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. And this here, this is no small, fragile candlelight. According to Isaiah, it's not like some tea lights we bought uh, many years ago and you, you lit them and they were the worst tea lights in the world and you had to get really close to see if they were even lit. No, this is a great light, a light that cannot be extinguished, a light that will pierce the darkness and lift all despair and this light is coming. In fact, for Isaiah, this coming dawn is so certain that even before it's arrived, he starts to talk about it in the past tense, as if it's already come. The people who walked in darkness have seen, they have seen a great light. And then in verse 3, we're told the life-changing effect that this light will have on those on whom it shines. It will bring joy, incredible joy. It says, you have multiplied the nations, you have increased its joy They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest. This is not a flash-in-the-pan kind of joy. This isn't the kind of joy we might find on Christmas morning. We open a present, and for sort of the first 30 minutes, we're really excited about this gift. We feel very joyful, and then it just kind of starts to uh, ebb and go, and the joy is gone. The novelty dies off. No, this light, this Wonderful light will bring the greatest, deepest, most lasting kind of joy. So the question this morning then is, what is this source of incredible light? What is the solution to the darkness of our sin and our separation from God? It is that God himself will act. That he himself will mount a rescue that he will banish the darkness and turn the nighttime into noon. And he will do it, Isaiah says, amazingly, through the birth of a child. Verse 6, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given. The birth of a child that will mean hope for the whole world. Which is, when you think about it, and even if you've known about this for many years, again you think about it, it's a bit strange, isn't it? The whole world is lost in in impenetrable darkness, cut off from God. But somehow, the birth of a single child is going to make it all right. How can that be? Well, it's because in the gift of this one child, God himself will enter into our darkness. 
He himself will step down into our gloom and bring with him the ending of the night and the dawning of the light. God is coming, says Isaiah, in the birth of this child. And then we see in the names that Isaiah says will belong to this child, we see why this child will bring such hope. Because they're names that can only rightly belong to God. Have a look. His name, we are told, shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And what we find actually is the whole of the Christmas message is summed up beautifully in these four names that will be given to this child. So let's just look at each one of them in turn. First of all, Wonderful Counselor. He shall be called Wonderful Counselor. It's our sin that blinds us to what is really there and what's really true. It's our sin that has put us in the darkness in which we find ourselves. In the dark about the existence of God. It's put us in the dark as a human race about our desperate need for our creator. But, says Isaiah, this coming child will be called Wonderful Counselor. He will counsel us and show us the truth that will heal our spiritual blindness. This child, this promised child was to come. He was going to open our eyes to see our predicament and to see the goodness and the kindness and the rescue of our God. He will be called Wonderful Counselor. He will be called Mighty God. Our sin not only blinds us, it binds us. It renders us powerless to escape the darkness and to remove the guilt of our sin. But this child will be called Mighty God. He will conquer the darkness with divine strength. Not only will he be born into this broken world, Isaiah is saying, on a a dark night. But as we know, 30-something years later, he will descend into infinite darkness, into death itself bearing the weight of all our sin and taking all of the darkness down with him into the grave. And in so doing, he will shatter the darkness and lift our shame. He'll be called Everlasting Father because what we need more than anything else in all the world is to be restored to a relationship with God. We need God's fatherly care And with this name, Everlasting Father, this promised child will be the doorway back into God's family. He will remove our lostness and our loneliness. He will adopt sinners as daughters and sons. He will will come, he has come, to lavish fatherly love on us forever. His name shall be called Everlasting Father. And finally, Prince of Peace. Prince of Peace, because our sin puts us at war with God. We rage against the one who created us. But this child will come, Isaiah says. He will be able to give us peace with God forever. He's the Prince of Peace. And as such, he will banish our struggles. He will heal our hearts. He will enable us to live for God and with God forever. And that will bring eternal peace to our souls. We will be eternally satisfied in him. Wonderful counsellor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace, four amazing names, one glorious child. This promised child, Isaiah is, is laying out for us here, is exactly what every desperate sinner needs. 
He is the answer to all of our anguish. But of course, Isaiah wrote all of these things still awaiting for his arrival. He was still waiting. But we're not waiting this morning. For us, he has come. He has already come. We know this because we can do what Isaiah couldn't do. We can jump forward in time. We can flick through the pages of our Bible to see the arrival of this glorious child, the one we are celebrating this Christmas. Just listen to the words of the, some of the gospel writers as they actually announce this child's birth. John 1 verse 9. This should come up on the screen. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. And then Luke 1.78, Zechariah describes the birth of Jesus saying, Because of the tender mercy of our God, the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. And then Luke, t- Luke 2 verse 10, angels we heard this morning appearing to shepherds on a hillside. They use the very language of Isaiah 9 saying, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Saviour who is Christ the Lord. Good news, great joy. Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. When Isaiah wrote his words, he was looking into the far-flung future full of anticipation and hope for what would be coming. He was, he was waiting and waiting. It, it was, if, you, if you like, Isaiah was still on the cusp of Christmas Eve. He was waiting like we do with bated breath for what would be coming. Even though for him Christmas was still 700 years away, yet how hope-filled he must have been to have received these promises from God even just anticipating how God was going to fulfill this incredible promise. But how much more full of joy and hope and certainty should we be today on Christmas Eve? Because we're not waiting anymore. Yes, we're waiting for Christmas Day. We're waiting for tomorrow morning. But only to celebrate the Savior who has already been born into our darkness some 2,000 years ago now. We're not looking to a future dawn. The wait is over. Joy is here. Borrowing these words from Luke chapter 1, the sunrise has already visited us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. The the child has been born. Unto us a son has been given. Now what that means is that sitting here this morning as we anticipate tomorrow, And all that this Christmas might entail for us, whether it be presents and food and fun or disappointment and difficulty or maybe a mix of all of those, nothing can change the fact that we have already been given the greatest gift of all. Nothing we unwrap tomorrow can match it. Nothing we lack tomorrow can rob us of this. God has lavished his light and love upon us in Jesus. And so whatever our circumstances are this Christmas, there is no greater joy than the one we can find in him. Than in fixing our eyes on Jesus, to trust him, thank him, to think about him, adore him, and treasure him for all that he has done for us and for all that he is to us. To in every possible way, feast our hearts on 
He who is the light of the world this Christmas. And if you're not a Christian here this morning, God again holds out to you the greatest of all gifts today. Even on Christmas Eve, you don't, you don't have to wait till tomorrow. You could open this a day early. You could receive this gift from God right now if you've never done so before. God sent his son into the world to die for the world so that he could offer to you this morning on this Christmas Eve morning an invitation to turn and trust in Jesus, to escape death and darkness and to walk into the light of knowing and enjoying the God who made you forever. What a Christmas that would be if you've never received that gift before but you want to receive it this morning. We pray that you will. But may we all, all of us, treasure and enjoy the gift of God's Son this Christmas. Today and tomorrow and on throughout the coming year, may our souls magnify the Lord who saves and may we trust in his unfailing love. May the gospel of Christ and the mercy of God banish our gloom and make us joyful and glad people because of Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you have given to us the greatest gift of all, the brightest light that has ever shone into this dark world in which we live, your Son. And Lord, we thank you that he was born as a child and laid in a humble manger, would one day hang upon a sinner's cross to pay our debt and bring us home to you. Oh, Father, we pray, help us to treasure him and rest in him, and rejoice in him this Christmas, knowing that every detail of our lives, Lord, the, the easy things and the hard, Lord, that they are in his good and wise hands, and that nothing can ever separate us from the life and light and love that you have given to us in him. Oh, Lord, we praise you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.